I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Hope you're all well, hope you're all good, hope you're all looking forward to this evening's game. I don't normally do live streams pre a game, as in on the day of the game, because, you know, they go out of date very, very quickly and... You know, I'd prefer to focus my time and efforts on the review of the game where we can go in a lot more depth, give a lot more analysis, etc., etc. But of course, with the transfer window still open, albeit for one more day and 11 hours and 58 minutes at the time of recording, according to the Sky Sports News counter, there is some news that I thought was worthwhile discussing, or there are at least some reports and some rumours that I thought were well worth discussing. So we're going to be doing that. We're going to be talking Mikhailo Mudrik, the Ukrainian winger linked with a move to Arsenal. We're going to be discussing Arsenal's reported interest in the Brazilian midfielder Danilo. We'll also be talking Cody Gakpo, Hector Bellerin, Bakayo Saka and more on this edition of the show. If I could ask you um, kindly to please leave a like on the video if you're watching us on YouTube, please do subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. It very much uh, does help. And if you're listening on the audio platforms, uh, please do, of course, make sure you subscribe there. And those reviews are very, very much appreciated. Lots of people in the live chat, which is great to see. Let's say a few hellos before we uh, dive right into it. Jack, uh, Glenn, Ayush, Ocean, uh, Matt, Des, uh, Paul is with us, Gunner, Deja Vu, Jane, uh, is there as well. Nav, um, who says, uh, will be at the live show on Friday. Yep. Looking forward to meeting lots of you and um, glad to hear that you're coming along, mate, and look forward to seeing you there. Um, just a quick reminder of what that is all about. There is a live podcast taking place. Uh, if you go over to Twitter and you search Gunas versus Cancer, uh, you'll find a Magic Mike's post there. It's a live podcast featuring myself, Tom Canton, Sophie from the Highbury Squad, FK from the Latte Firm and esteemed journalist uh, James Benj. We'll all be there uh, supporting the charity. We'll all be talking Arsenal and it's going to be a fun event as well. There are prizes on offer and tickets are just a fiver. Uh, if you go over, as I say, to Gunas v Cancer on Twitter, you'll find the link there. And from there, you can purchase your ticket. It's taking place in Hackney. Um, so, yeah, uh, for those of you based in North London, it's not too far at all. Those of you based in London, it's not really that far, really, distance-wise anyway. Uh, London traffic is a bit of a bitch sometimes, but I'm sure uh, you'll think it's worthwhile. And we think it's worthwhile because, of course, we're supporting a wonderful charity and Mike's um, Mike's amazing sort of efforts to to raise money for Gunas versus Cancer, to set up, to found Gunas versus Cancer, and then to raise money um, as frequently and as effectively as he does is, is great. So, um, yeah, please do support if you can. I've seen that there's a few people um, in the chat box just sort of glancing at the comments prior to us actually going live that are panicking a little bit with regards to the transfer window. Of course, as I mentioned earlier on, there's just a day remaining. I mean, I'm not really sure that... Um, you know, I'm not really sure that this is something we should be panicking about at this moment in time. Um, Arsenal have shown us that they won't panic by. They showed us that in January, despite lots of noise from the outside, lots of people claiming and suggesting that it was completely necessary that we went out and brought a striker. We didn't do it because we wanted to get the right man. And, you know, while you could make the case and make the argument that it set us back, maybe it cost us a few points that might have been the difference between Arsenal getting in the Champions League and not. What I would say is Arsenal have set the precedent in terms of the way they go about their business now. And to think that they're going to just rip that up and, and go completely against the grain now with a day left in the window, I think is, I think maybe you're getting ahead of yourselves. I, I just don't see it happening. I don't see Arsenal making a signing between now and the deadline, unless it's a player that they've been watching for a while, unless it's a player that they um, have been keeping tabs on for a period of time. You know, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's not going to be a knee-jerk reaction 
it's not going to be a panic buy. And also another thing worth adding is the interview, the press conference that was doing the rounds, that clip that was doing the rounds of Mikel Arteta speaking about the injuries um, was one that was filmed after the game at the weekend. And so it is out of date. It was embargoed, which is why it took a few days for it to come out into the public domain and, and filter through to everybody. But as was pointed out by Tom Canton on his show earlier this morning, and I did check this out as well, Alexander Zinchenko trained yesterday. So there is a chance that Alexander Zinchenko plays a part tonight against Aston Villa. And the only reason I was panicking so much about the midfield issue was because I thought that both Partey and Zinchenko would be out for a period of time. But if he's back training the Ukrainian, there's a good chance that if he's not fit to start tonight, he'll be fit to start at Old Trafford on Sunday. And that makes me feel a lot better. And Arsenal will probably look at that and think, well, he can play that position. You know, we've got Sambi Lakonga at the club as well. I know a lot of people are not totally convinced on him, but, you know, he is someone that they've invested in. He is somebody that they're going to give opportunities to. Otherwise, they'd have loaned him out. Otherwise, they'd have let him go. Um, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I don't think Arsenal are going to be knee-jerk. As I say, I don't think Arsenal are going to panic. I do think that Arsenal will um, will be looking at the situation with some concern, of course, particularly in that midfield area, but will feel as though they can cope if the diagnosis, if the prognosis, if the uh, conclusions drawn from the scans on Thomas Partey, on Zinchenko, the fact that Zinchenko trained, etc., etc. If it if it doesn't look terrible, I don't think Arsenal are going to go in there, as I keep saying, and and sort of break the bank to do a deal that maybe they never planned for and, and never accounted for. I do think it's probably more likely if Arsenal do bring a player in between now and the deadline that it's going to be a winger. And one of the players that is being talked about at the moment is Mikhailo Modric, the Ukrainian winger. 21-year-old, very, very highly rated, plays his football at Shakhtar Donetsk uh, currently. And there were reports coming out yesterday and there were reports coming out this morning suggesting that talks are progressing over a deal that could be worth around about 30 million euros. But I've just seen this um, on Twitter from Gunnerblog, obviously uh, writes over at The Athletic, which has thrown a real spanner in the works. This is the problem with doing live podcasts, right? So I went into this podcast looking to talk about Mikhailo Mudrik, how the reports are suggesting that he could be on his way to Arsenal. And I did not see this coming. But according to Gunnerblog, Brentford are trying to sign Shakhtar Donetsk winger Mikhailo Mudrik before tomorrow's deadline. They're willing to play. They're willing to pay, I beg your pardon a club record 30 million euro fee. Arsenal have held an interest in the player, says Gunnerblog, but injuries now mean the shift in focus sees them looking at a midfielder. Interesting. Because that is not what I thought. And I'm happy, um, you know, to... Um, to be wrong. And and I thought that a winger was certainly going to be something Arsenal were looking at. I still think Arsenal will be open to a deal if it could be done. Um, that's what Gunner Blogger said. Look, this is so confusing because we're doing a live stream here and things are changing all the time at this stage in the window. Someone in the chat just asked me to go over and have a look at Fabrizio Romano's tweet. Um, okay, so... Fabrizio Romano says Arsenal have not opened talks with Shakhtar for Mikhailo Mudrik, as revealed here on Monday. Arsenal followed the player and have had contact with the player's side, but there's no bid or any advanced negotiation. Brentford want him, but talks with Shakhtar are really, really complicated. This is crazy. This is the beauty of the transfer window, right? Things just change and things are shifting all of the time. So in answer to my question in the title, Mikhailo Modric close to Arsenal move, the answer seems to be, appears to be no. Brentford are interested, as it's been reported by multiple outlets, but Arsenal appear to have shifted their focus and their attention to the central defensive midfield position. Now, I'm, I'm a little surprised that Arsenal have 
almost abandoned the idea of bringing in a winger, given it's something that they were looking at really early on in the window. I understand the need to prioritise and and given the injury issues that we have, obviously the midfield is a more urgent need. I, I've said all along that in my personal opinion, in my personal view, the central midfield is a much bigger priority. And that should be where Arsenal are looking to do their business. But given that there's been no movement, given that we've been heavily linked with Yuri Tielemans, yet there's still been no formal approach as far as we know for the player. There are some reports this morning suggesting that Arsenal have lodged a bid, but that hasn't been verified by anybody particularly reputable at this moment in time. I just figured that although I thought that the midfield would be the priority, that maybe Arsenal saw things differently and that maybe Arsenal were still adamant that a winger was was what the priority was. I've said all along, I, I, and you know, and I had the discussion with Mike on this very show yesterday. I said all along that for me, the wide positions, yeah, we could do with a little bit more, but there is adequate cover there. You know, you've got, as I've said before, Emil Smith Rowe, who's not even in the side at the moment. You've got Marquinhos, who's come into the club, who could develop maybe at a quicker level than many of us expected. You've got Fabio Vieira, who could play from one of those sides. Eddie Nketiah can do the job. Gabriel Jesus can do the job if necessary. Not that I want to take him out of the centre-forward position. But the point I'm trying to make here is that we were by no means at emergency level when it comes to the wide positions, given the options that we have available to us. But we could be in an emergency in midfield without Zinchenko and Partey. Now, I've said already today that Zinchenko did train. Don't know what that means. Don't know what that says. Don't know what that indicates. Don't know if he'll be available tonight. Don't know if he'll start tonight. Don't know if he'll even be available for Manchester United. But the fact that he trained gives me encouragement that at the very least, the injury that he sustained is not one that Arsenal see as very serious. If it was very serious, he wouldn't be training, would he? And if Zinchenko is available, then I would say the need to go and be knee-jerk and panic and buy a midfielder between now and the deadline reduces by at least 70%. That's how I see it. That's how I view it. So, yeah, um, that's where we are. <laughs> we set out to do the podcast. We set out to talk about Mikhailo Madrid, who by plenty of accounts was edging closer towards an Arsenal move, a player that Arsenal have long held an interest in, a player that multiple outlets are reporting is dead set on a move to Arsenal and would be willing to force it through and make it happen. But as we've gone live, there have been some developments, some reports coming out, A, from The Athletic and B, from Fabrizio Romano, which suggests that actually, in answer to the question, Mikhailo Mudrik close to joining Arsenal? The answer is no. Let's move on uh, to some more uh, rumoured interest and let's start off with uh, Palmeiras star Danilo, the central defensive midfielder, uh, just um, 21 years old, who's attracting quite a bit of attention from Europe, is said to be of interest to the Gunners. £20 million bid has gone in, according to Gold Brazil, but is likely to be rejected has it actually gone in? I, I I just don't know what to believe anymore. You know, I, I've got to the point where I look at transfer stories and I don't really want to sit here and tell you, yes, this one is good. This one is bad. This one is accurate. This one is inaccurate. I don't even want to do that anymore. I just want to look at the stories and give my opinion on them at the moment, because I think that's the safest thing to do when things are changing so quickly, when there's so much fake news, so much fake information doing the rounds. But yeah, um, Danilo is a player that Arsenal have been linked with in the past. He, we were linked with him earlier in the summer as well. And we've heard sort of whispers of his name um, in, in previous windows. But of course, uh, nothing has moved forward on that. And according to most outlets at the moment, Palmeiras have a crazy release clause in the player's contract, which would mean Arsenal would have to go absolutely nuts to get the deal done. Now, I'm always wary, though, of, of Brazilian clubs and the way they kind of want to portray themselves to the European market, it's a common thing, right? Big European football clubs, they scour uh, the Americas, they look for talent, they uh, earmark them, they go in, they make offers that maybe in terms of what the European clubs can spend don't seem 
too significant, don't seem too major, too dramatic. But from a Brazilian point of view, given the finances in, in, in Brazilian football are so different, a club like Palmeiras will say, no, we're not accepting anything less than 80, 90 million euros, whatever that release clause says. But the reality of the situation is that you can, you can a lot of the time, you know, you can twist their arm into accepting a lot less because ultimately when push comes to shove and that kind of money is on offer, those clubs simply can't say no. They can't ignore, um, you know, that kind of offer. They, they they get themselves into a position where, you know, they're, they're panicking a little bit and, you know, they will gamble from time to time and feel that a player is so good that they can in 12 months time, uh, you know, recuperate a lot more and, and bring in a lot more. But often it's a gamble. It's a risk because a player can be flavour of the month one summer and the next summer there can be zero interest. So you, you've got to think about that if you're a club like Palmeiras. But do I think that Arsenal get this deal done between now and the deadline? Absolutely not. I'd be shocked if Arsenal got this done. If Arsenal got this done, it would mean that the negotiations are a lot more advanced at present than any of us know and any of us think. But it looks to me like if Arsenal was still at the stage, and according to Gold Brazil, this is where they're at, where they're happy to bid £20 million, which nobody expects Palmeiras to accept, and it doesn't feel like there's enough time for the two clubs to bridge that gap in terms of their valuations of the players. So I'm not expecting this one to happen. Another name that we've been linked with all summer is Cody Gakpo. Um, according to Melissa Reddy uh, of um, of Sky Sports, Arsenal still hold an interest in uh, in Cody Gakpo, but there's been no bid, there's been no formal move, there's been no formal offer. So, you know, again, what are you to make of this one? You know, is a winger still at the top of the list given the midfield stuff that we've been discussing? The truth is, you don't really know. Um, <laughs> you don't really know. Um, Charles Watts has just put out a piece as well. Um, so it seems like all the journalists are kind of moving one by one today to kind of squash a lot of the rumours that have been doing the rounds. And he says, Arsenal are happy with their squad. Let me just enlarge that for those of you watching us on video. Arsenal are happy with their squad and summer business. They would like to add further if they can but only if the deal is right. Recent injuries and departures have ramped up the pressure to do something before the deadline, but they won't panic. That's basically what I said at the top of the show. I, I don't expect Arsenal to panic by, and I actually put a tweet out myself. Um, where is it? When did I put that out? Yeah, I put this tweet out a couple of hours ago. Um, I said, Arsenal won't panic by, if we do get somebody in before the window closes, it'll be a player the club have been looking at for some time. They showed us in January that despite the, all the outside noise, if they're not totally convinced on a player or a deal, they won't do it. Simples. So, you know, that's kind of the, the noise that we're getting now, right? That's kind of the vibe that we're getting. That's kind of the message that is being portrayed about Arsenal right now. They're not going to panic. They do hold an interest in a number of players, but they'll only do those deals if those deals are right. And if the price is right, if the circumstances are right. And, you know, as well, I think it's so dependent on, on what the injury situation is. As I keep saying, I'll go back to it again. If Zinchenko is not a million miles away, if Partey is expected to be out for two, three, maybe four weeks, then then is there a need to be knee-jerk and go out and panic by? I, I guess for me, and I, and I explained this on the show that we did yesterday with Mike, my frustration around this is that is that you look at you know the games we've had so far, we could go out and beat Aston Villa tonight, even with the problems we've got in terms of injuries. We could lose as well. We could draw. This is the Premier League. I always say this. No game is a given. But we could go out um, tonight, win the game, and then go to Old Trafford and be in, you know, in, in a really confident, buoyant mood against a side who, yeah, have built some confidence over the past couple of weeks, but you still feel it is on fragile foundations. You still feel like if Arsenal were in good shape going there, we'd stand a good chance of getting a result at Old Trafford. And we don't often get results at Old Trafford. So, but you'd, you'd have wanted to go in and you'd have wanted to go into that with people fit, people available, your best possible team. And the reason is because as much as people are saying Arsenal look good this season, 
and Arsenal have started really positively and there's lots to be optimistic about, you're always going to get those people that say, unless um, they beat a big team, one of the big teams, one of the traditional big six, then we can't really judge Arsenal. We can't really say that Arsenal have taken things up a level. And so to go and win at Old Trafford would have been not just three points, but a statement victory. And without our best team, the chances of doing that decrease. And they decrease because you feel like to go and win at Old Trafford when you're Arsenal, not if you're Brighton or someone like that, but if you're Arsenal and you go there, it's a game that they're always up for. You always feel like you need to be at the top of your game. You need a bit of fortune. You need things to go your way. And it doesn't feel like we're, we're going to have that bit of luck going into that game unless we get those players, at least one, at least Inchenko back a lot quicker. Will he feature tonight? I don't know. I don't know. So just to quickly round up on what we've discussed so far, and then we're going to do an extended Q&A session because I know a lot of you have got concerns, worries, frustrations. Let's talk about it in the live chat box. So, Mikhailo Mudrik, despite reports doing the rounds this morning that he is closing in on a move to Arsenal and that talks are advanced, looks as though he won't be joining the Gunners this summer. That's because... Um, a number of reputable journalists, Fabrizio Romano and Gunner Blog, of course, over at The Athletic, say that that is, uh, you know, well, have given us information to the contrary. So Gunner Blog says that Brentford are the ones pushing to do that deal. And Fabrizio Romano says that no talks have been open between the two clubs. So that doesn't look likely. So in answer to the question, is Mikhailo Mudrik close to moving to Arsenal? The answer at the moment seems to be no. Um. Arsenal, according to Goal Brazil, have made firm their interest in Palmeiras youngster Danilo with a £20 million bid that is expected to be rejected. Cody Gakpo is still of interest to the Gunners, apparently. Um, in terms of outgoings, just quickly, Hector Bayer into Barcelona appears to be edging closer. Um, Sassuolo of Italy showed some interest in the player as well. But I think Hector Bayerin's heart is set on a return to Spain. And so that is the most likely outcome. But perhaps more significantly than any of the players that we've been linked with today, perhaps more significantly than any of the news with regards to potential departures, Bukayo Saka has given Arsenal fans a real boost with regards to uh, the possibility of him signing an extended and improved contract. Speaking about the subject, he said that he shares Arteta's confidence around the new deal being agreed. Now, there's been a lot of speculation about this. Mikel Arteta has remained confident that Arsenal can do this throughout. There have been sceptics. There have been people who have been a little bit worried and a little bit panicked uh, by this, by the fact that that hasn't been done yet. But Bukayo Saka's words can certainly give people encouragement that at least the talks are moving in the right direction. So, yeah, um, that's good news, at least. Um, let's take this uh, question, Super Chat, from Luke Morrison. Thank you so, so much, mate, for your donation. It is so, so appreciated. It really, really is. Luke says, do you agree with me that we've made a mistake in not prioritising a DM this summer, especially given how injury-prone Thomas Partey is? I do. I do. Um you know, a lot of people think that I, I don't criticise Arsenal, that I think everything they do is absolutely spot on and should be backed and supported without any questions being asked. I've been saying for the last few weeks that a winger for me would be nice, but the defensive midfielder is the priority. It has to be. Because you can't... You go into a season, as good as Thomas Partey is, being solely reliant on him, you should know there's a good chance that he will let you down in terms of his fitness, that he won't be available, that he will go for a period where he's in and out of the side and then it's going to take him time to get back to his best. And, and you're always running that risk with Thomas Partey that you would end up being without one of your key players in key moments of the season, just like we were last season and the season before that. So it should have been something that Arsenal had right at the top of their priority list. Now, I believe that the reason they didn't go and get a DM is because they felt that given Zinchenko is is at the club, given that Xhaka is at the club, given that, you know, Elneny signed a contract extension and Lokonga is there too, that 
one way or another, they could accommodate and cover that position in the event that Thomas Partey was out. We seem to be in an unfortunate situation now where we don't really know what the deal is with Zinchenko's fitness. And that makes the need, as I've said, much greater, much more urgent. Probably, you know, Zinchenko being fit reduces the need dramatically, in my opinion, to go out and get a DM. I don't think that Zinchenko was brought in as a left back. I think Zinchenko was brought in as somebody who could tick both boxes, cover both positions. It was a cost-effective way of Arsenal, um, you know, backing up, but also adding quality. So if Zinchenko's fit and Kieran Tierney's fit and Zinchenko steps into that midfield, I have absolutely no problem with that whatsoever. No problem with that whatsoever. Because one thing people need to realise and recognise is that you don't need this, you know, we play a high-intensity, high-pressure game. We squeeze teams into their half. We want to win the ball back high up. And we squeeze right up to the halfway line because we've got um, the, the players in and around the, the central midfielder to do that now. That means the centre-backs push right up. That means that the wing, the full-backs tuck inside. And so the whoever plays that DM role has a lot more support. And actually, their primary role in the team will not be necessarily to put out fires in the way that a DM would have been in Arsenal's previous systems or in other sides. But their primary role is to help progress the ball through the lines, knowing that when we do have to get back into defensive shape, they have got cover in the shape of the two wing uh, fullbacks, I beg your pardon, that step into the midfield alongside them. And the two centre-backs are in close proximity. So whoever plays there doesn't necessarily have to be this destroyer. It doesn't have to be someone like Casemiro, for example, right? Who just, you know, wants to break play up all the time. Has other attributes as well. I'm not saying he doesn't, but the point I'm trying to make is it doesn't necessarily need to be a specialist DM. If you ask me to categorise Thomas Partey, I wouldn't say he's a DM. I would say he's a box-to-box midfielder. I would say he's someone that gets up and down the pitch. That's where he's at his best. And what we've done is given... Xhaka and Odegaard a little bit more licensed to get forward than him because of the shape and system we play. But Thomas Partey hasn't always been a specialist defensive midfielder. He's been someone who likes to get up and down the pitch. He played in a 4-4-2 under Diego Simeone a lot of the time. So, yeah, um, I, I think Zinchenko can do the job. I, I think that Ben White might even be able to do the job with a bit of training, with a bit of positional work. So. It worries me if we're without Partey and Zinchenko. But if we've got one of them available, then the need to panic by between tomorrow's, between now, sorry, and tomorrow's deadline significantly reduces for me. And you've seen it there from Charles Watts. Arsenal are happy with the squad overall and will not panic by. And I think, you know, they're right not to panic by. If the right opportunity comes along and they don't do it, that's a different story then you can be critical of that. But I just feel like right now, um, you know, maybe we're making a bit of a mountain out of a molehill. And I guess at the end of the day, if the transfer window wasn't open, this isn't even a conversation. This isn't even a discussion. There will be people that say Arsenal should have done this and should have done that. But the the, the clamour around this discussion right now is is prevalent because of the fact that we're in the middle of the, not in the middle, but we're, we're still in the transfer window. When the window slams shut, the noise dies down. And I personally can't wait for the window to shut so we can just focus on the football, nothing else. Um, you know, worry about who we do have, worry about how we're going to utilise them and get the best possible results. That, for me, is the priority. Do I think we've made a mistake? Personally, you know, I've gone around the houses, but in answer to your question, Luke, personally, I would have done the business in midfield. I would have brought another midfield player in and I probably would have let Mohamed Elneny go. But then that player could be injured, just like Mohamed Elneny is. I don't think you'll ever get to a point as a football team and as a squad where your team is not weakened if key players are missing. Because if them being out doesn't weaken your side, then are they even key players in the first place? I mean, for years, we looked at this Manchester City side in awe and said, but if they lose Fernandinho, they're in sh they're in shit street. They're in trouble. You know, for years, people have looked at Liverpool and said, great squad. But if Virgil van Dijk is out, the drop off between him and Joe Gomez, for example, is massive 
It's a big problem. There isn't a team in world football that doesn't have indispensable players. Thomas Partey is one of ours. And unfortunately, he picks up way too many injuries. And so because of that, I think it's some, it's an area that we needed to look at and needed to address. But Arsenal feel that they've done that in the acquisition of Zinchenko, feel that they've done that by keeping hold of Lokonga, feel like they've done that by uh, giving Mohamed Elneny that contract extension, feel like probably Granit Xhaka could play there. I'm not sure, but probably do feel that Granit Xhaka could play there, in which case Fabio Vieira, who they've also added to their midfield options, could step into that left eight position. There's so much to undress and unpack here. And and um, yeah, I just I don't want to get into this frenzy at the end of the window, like come on, Arsenal, do something, panic, panic, panic. I don't want that. Um, you know, I, I just want to focus on tonight's game. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, Neil says, uh, for years, the club has ignored the midfield by extending Elneny's contract. I knew we would take the cheap option. If we had any ambition, then the club would have gone and addressed this area. Um, Sam Rudman says it would be wise to loan a CDM rather than buying one. Uh, Jimmy Flo says, how beautiful is it that no one has a clue on how Arsenal are doing their business? Yeah. And this is the other thing, right? I wouldn't be surprised right now if um, if a new name popped up out of the blue and within 24 hours, the deal was done because Arsenal have done that. They, they've, they've shown that they'll do that under Mikel Arteta. They've shown that they can operate in the dark, which is a good thing, really. Um, but yeah, it, it leaves us fans guessing and, and people that cover the club, of course, guessing. But yeah, let's let's see. Let's see. Um, Wes Bird says a uh, similar question along the lines. Um, do you think it could be borderline negligent if they don't sign a DM considering <laughs> work event? That's what we were referring to Partey as earlier in the summer, uh, considering uh, Partey's injury history. I don't know that I would go as far as saying it's bordering on negligent because I've I've kind of explained the reasons why I think that Arsenal will feel that they have adequate cover. Now, you might not agree with that. I might not entirely agree with that. I don't agree with that. But that will be their justification. And, um, and yeah, you know, we can sit and shout and scream and whinge and moan about the, the need and what we believe to be the need. But if they don't see it, then it's not going to happen, is it? Um. Ishe uh, says, Harry, I disagree with you. Uh, going back to my point around the midfield options that we have, he says that's not sustainable in a season where both Tierney and Partey will miss a lot of games guaranteed and only Zinchenko can cover both those positions. Yeah, but that's not how Arsenal see it. And again, I'm not even saying that they're right. So please don't jump on my back. The point I'm trying to make here is, is that Zinchenko's there. Lokonga is clearly someone that Arsenal think can develop into that player. Maybe not specifically as the six, but into a player that can be a useful part of the squad. Otherwise, they'd have loaned him out. There were options. There were offers on the table to send him out on loan. There are a lot of clubs that would take Sambi Lokonga with open arms. But we didn't. We let him stay. We kept him because clearly Arsenal feel that he can bring something to the table. Mohamed Elneny is clearly seen as an option and the injury... He sustained is very out of character. When was the last time Mohamed Elneny picked up a serious injury? I can't remember one. So sometimes life throws shit at you. Sometimes you're unlucky in that sense. And if you react to every bit of bad luck by going and throwing tens of millions of pounds on players that you're not entirely sure about and entirely confident about, then you end up in the position that we've worked so hard over the last 24 months to get ourselves out of with an overinflated squad, with a group of players that aren't fit for purpose and with a wage bill that is draining every resource the club has available to it and preventing us competing at the highest level. Um, Billy Boy makes a good point, and I, and I like this point, and it, it kind of feeds into what I was saying a little bit earlier on. He says, I think missing Partey this season won't be as damaging with our new system of White and Zinchenko overloading the midfield. But if the right player is available, let's do it. That's that's basically exactly my outlook here. Yes, there isn't anybody as good as Thomas Partey that can step into the team and play that role. But as I've said to you before, um, if the role is a bit different now, if the role is primarily to progress the ball and link up play as opposed to being a destroyer, then um, 
then someone else can play that role. Someone else can do that job, at least in the interim, at least in the short term. So, yeah, you know, let, let's see how it goes. Let's not jump to any conclusions, you know. And, and remember, when you, a lot of this comes from a place as Arsenal fans where, where we're still kind of feeling the scars from last season and the way last season ended. But let's not forget, when everything started to go south, we weren't playing with our fullbacks, the first choice fullbacks. We had to do without Thomas Partey on top of that. And the culmination of those things, as well as not being clinical enough up front, as well as not having a top striker up front, all of that stuff, it, you know, it it, it was, it all came together at the wrong time. And it was the, almost the perfect storm in terms of things going to shit for Arsenal. So I'm not as stressed about it as I would have been last season. And where I take confidence now is that we've got a system, a style of play, a structure that we, we're able to implement a lot more effectively with Saliba in the side, with White as a fullback. Um, Tommy Asu can do that too, but with Zinchenko as a fullback. And, and this system, this style, it protects whoever plays in that sixth position a lot more than we have done in previous seasons. And so why can't Lokonga have a go? Why can't Zinchenko play there if he's fit? I don't think it's as doom and gloom as people are making it out to be. Of course, it's a blow. Of course, it's a drop-off to not have, um, you know, Thomas Partey. But it is what it is. Uh, big shout out to PJ. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc tightly who says finally caught you live love your work thank you so much mate really really uh do appreciate it let's um you know what we're going to take a quick pause and then we're going to continue through the comments because there is lots and lots uh, to get through. But if I could please ask, because there are nearly 500 of you with me live right now if you, for you to smash that like button. Uh, we've only got 112 um, likes on the board, which is nowhere near enough. Please do leave a like. Please do subscribe to the channel if you're new. And we'll be back in just a couple of seconds. Okay, let's continue uh, through the chat. Uh, Vector says, Harry, I beg you, do a phoning. You know what? We're going to do one. We'll do one on trying to think what day's best maybe saturday maybe no wait let me think about this because i'm working on saturday i will do one stay tuned uh to the at chronicles underscore afc twitter feed and i'll let you know we will do one over the coming days i'm always interested to get people's thoughts and i want to do those as much as i can uh <laughs> i says should arteta play in the dm role versus villa still looks fit enough to be fair to him um Alex says, uh, we didn't panic buy last season. We missed out on the top four. Is panic buying all that bad considering Arteta himself was a panic buy? <laughs> That's a really loaded question, Alex, but le let me let me try and tackle it. So we didn't miss out on top four because we didn't panic buy. We missed out on top four because this team was not ready, wasn't mature enough, and the squad wasn't deep enough. But given the players that we were linked with in January, 
And given the way a lot of their second half of the seasons went, I think actually Arsenal were quite justified in in doing what they did. I'll give you an example. Dusan Vlavic. I do a Serie A podcast. You can find the link in the description below. Simply Serie A on a weekly basis. And not a week has gone by so far this season without Dusan Vlavic being underwhelming and being right at the top of the discussion points. Because he doesn't give you what Gabriel Jesus gives you in terms of his overall game. And so would he have been the best fit for Arsenal? It's easy to look at a player and say he scored X amount of goals. Therefore, he would be a guaranteed success at Arsenal Football Club. You, you know, you look back at last season and you think, yeah, we missed out on the top four because we didn't panic by it. I, I just don't think we were ready. I just don't think we were ready. The manager wasn't ready. The players weren't ready. Um, we let ourselves down in games where we still had a more than good enough team to get the job done and we failed to do that. Maybe it was a bit of a mentality issue. Maybe it's part of growing up. Maybe it's part of maturing and developing as a footballer. But I don't think it's as simplistic to say we didn't make the top four because we didn't panic buy. Panic buying is not a good thing. It, it's never a good thing. And a lot of the time, transfers that you would look at and suggest are panic buys can actually just be transfers that took an awful lot of time to get done. Of course, Arsenal have made plenty of panic buys. But remember, we made that that group of panic buys that you're referring to after we got absolutely smashed at Old Trafford 8-2. And what did we go on to achieve after that? Did we get much better? Did any of those players really have a massive impact? I mean, Mikel Arteta wasn't great, let's be honest, as a player. You know, I, I don't think he was ever really cut out for the role that he was asked to play under Arsene Wenger. I've always said this, though. I think Arsene Wenger's system and the way he played football was a problem for whoever played at DM for Arsenal. And maybe it exposed some of the weaknesses that Mikel Arteta had as a footballer. It certainly exposed some of those possessed by Granit Xhaka and many other players as well that have been uh, a victim of that. But the point I'm trying to make here is that don't get... Don't get sucked into this view and this opinion that it's better not to have a plan and it's better to just be reactive and throw money at things when you think there's a problem. Because that isn't how you build. Now, there will come a point where Arsenal's squad is complete or closer to complete than it is today, where players are more experienced, where players are at a much higher level, where the manager is a lot more experienced. And there will be instances where you should dip into the transfer market and you should try and make these things happen. But panic buying, in my opinion, is never a good thing. It's never an ideal thing. It's never something that you should be wanting or planning to do. You know, the definition of a panic buy is, a, is shit. We're in shit streak. I still don't think that even though we're without Thomas Partey now for a bit, and even though we could be out uh, without Zinchenko, I still don't think we're at the point where we're desperate and we have to panic. But it's just my view. Okay. Um, let me roll through. Um the comments. I want to pick out as many as I possibly can. Uh, Andrew uh, Lapierre says, greetings. What's wrong with the loan market? Then nothing, nothing's wrong with it. Um, and if you can do it and it works and it makes sense, then fine, do it. But that doesn't feed into the long-term strategy that Arsenal are looking to implement, A. And B, how many clubs are going to be willing to loan out useful players a day before the window ends? You know, So you've got to look for very specific um, circumstances, i.e. is a player out of favour that you think could do a job that fits into your system. It, it, it's hard. It, it's not easy. You know, if the option is there, explore it by all means. But uh, it's not as easy as going to a club and saying, yeah, we'll take this player on loan. No problem. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm open to it. If again, just like with the transfers, I'm open to it if we um, if we find the right the right deal. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Max says, uh, you're right. We just end up like Chelsea 
and Man U. Um, Seb says, Harry, you make so much sense. We just cannot go out to buy cover for a short-term injury. Yeah, I mean, look, all the kind of indications at the moment are that Thomas Partey's injury is a two, three-week injury. Do you go into the transfer market for two or three weeks? And again, this builds into um, the kind of scars that we've all been left with from previous seasons. And that adds to why we are feeling this way. You know, don't get me wrong, I'm panicking inside as well. But I'm trying to think about this logically. I'm trying to step away from being an Arsenal fan for a minute and look at it a little bit more objectively. If a player is out for two or three weeks, does that warrant you going out into the transfer market and spending 30, 40 million pounds on a player that you never planned to get in the first place? It, it really doesn't, does it? Like, it, 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 like, if you think about it that way, it, it doesn't make sense. People will say I'm lining myself up for disappointment here, that I'm almost pre mentally preparing myself for the fact that Arsenal aren't going to bring anyone in. The truth is, I've already kind of made my peace with it. I already don't think that they're going to bring anyone in, anyone of significance anyway. So, yeah, let's see. The only one that I, I still look at, and I think maybe, is that Yuri Tielemans one, just because of his situation and the fact that, you know, probably 20 or so million pounds could get that deal done. Uh, Nikhil says, would you prefer Ndidi over Tielemans? He suits Partey's profile. Um, I don't know that I'd prefer him. But, you know, he'd be a decent option. But again, is Wilfred and Didi good enough to kind of base your plans around moving forward? I'm not sure that he is. And so, again, it would be a short term thing. And. Um, and, yeah, that's not what Arsenal are doing right now. Uh, Ron Stone says, Harry, when are you doing a watch along again? Um, I had a message about this as well this morning uh, from our good friend, uh, Graham. I'm planning probably, uh, my intention, I guess, is to do them for um, the Europa League away games because I don't think, just based on, on other work I've got going on, I don't think that I'll be able to get to any of them. Um, I don't think I'll be going to Zurich, to, to PSV. Um, you know, I, I don't think that that's going to happen or to Bodo Glimt. So, yeah, I, I'm, I guess the Europa League away games would be a good opportunity to do them. The timings work as well. They're earlier kickoffs, 5.45 games. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm aiming, hoping to do some watch-alongs for those uh, Europa League away games. And then any Europa League away games going forward in the competition, if, of course, we progress, which I expect us to. Um what else have we got? Um, Ewak says, uh, I don't agree with panic buying either, but our squad is actually a bit thin, isn't it? We barely have two players for each position. Call it 22. Aren't we still three short from the 25 Arteta wanted? I think when you list it out, like I think when you, you put people down in position, so you put, um, you know, goalkeeper, Ramsdale, Turner, right back, Tomiyasu, Cedric, centre-backs, White, Gabriel, Saliba, holding left back Zinchenko Tierney. The the the, the issue is that it, it doesn't necessarily work like that because what Mikel Arteta has gone for, and I've said this quite a bit over the last six months or so, is a smaller, more united group of players. I think he that's a part of his philosophy. It's a part of his ideology is to not have an overbloated squad with disengaged people walking around the place all the time. You could say it's wrong, fine. But I think that is very much a part of his vision and hence why he's tended to go for players this summer who can play in a variety of positions. Okay, he's gone and got... Uh, he, he's gone and got himself Fabio Vieira, who can play pretty much anywhere in the midfield, barring the DM role. Um, so he can play as an eight, he can play as... Um, as a as a 10, he can probably play from the right and he can play from the left as well. Versatility means that he could cover in a number of positions. Emil Smith-Rowe could cover in a number of positions. He could play from either of the flanks and he could play as a 10. He could even play as an 8 in some people's views, bulked up a little bit. Zinchenko can play left back and midfield. So then you've got Tomiyasu who can play right back and centre back and even left back in an emergency. So what he's done is he's made the group smaller, but 
he's made sure that the players he's left with are players that can cover a variety of positions. And um, and and that's probably some of the theory behind it, I'd imagine. Uh, big hello to uh, Pankaj uh, Sharma, who says, love from India, Harry. I'll get you at least 20 subscribers. Get me more. Get me as many as you possibly can. Thank you uh, so much, mate. Really, really do appreciate that. Okay. Um, I think we're going to leave it there for now. Uh, we've been going for 50 or so minutes. Um, I will be back later um, with some content off the back of the Arsenal-Villa game. Um, I will give you some instant reaction from Emirates Stadium, and then I will bring you a full podcast as well. Uh, if not really late tonight, then first thing tomorrow morning, just depending on what time I get home and stuff from the game. But stay tuned to your notifications. And I will do um, my best to keep you updated. Fingers crossed we get all three points. And fingers crossed whoever does play in that role tonight does a good job. And that will sort of chill people out a little bit. Um, you know, yeah, it's it, it's hard, man. It, it, it's a hard situation. I think Mark sums this up really well. I agree, Harry. It's hard to plan around three injuries to your number one, two and three players at once. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much contingency planning you can do uh, without it being silly. Um, you know, people are talking on social media about Arsenal being offered midfielders. If they're being offered to us, it's because they're not wanted. And so if there is an opportunity that in that sense, one that comes up that you think, oh, I actually could do a job in the short term, let's get him on loan or whatever, then do it. By all means, I'm not against that. I'm not against Arsenal bringing somebody in, but I am against Arsenal going out, panicking, spending a vast amount of money on someone that isn't fit for purpose. Um, And then, yeah, and then... um. And then struggling to offload them later on and struggling to find a use for them. Uh, Jid says, what happened to the extended Q&A? That was a 40-minute Q&A, pretty much. Like, at least 30. I think we started it at around about 20-odd minutes. 30-minute <laughs> Q&A. We normally do 10, 15. That was definitely an extended version. Um, but I have got to shoot off. I've got to get into London uh, for a meeting uh, today. And then I've got to get back, grab the car, head down to Emirates Stadium. Uh, for tonight's game. So jam-packed day in front of me, but I look forward to catching up with you guys after the game now as well. Right, I'll leave you to it. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday and fingers crossed Arsenal cap it off with another three points. Until next time, take care. All the best. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.